Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. All right, John, um, let's do some mailbag. I've got five mailbag questions here, so we're doing kind of a mini mailbag and a mini fugazis here. Get, make sure you guys get everything that you need from the Utopia Football Podcast this week. And I'll start it off overseas, John. Our guy Neil in Liverpool says the uh, thing I'm looking most forward to in the offseason, not the draft or free agency, it's the unveiling of the new Texans uniforms. There was talk last offseason of an H-Town Blue uniform in the works. I'm hoping they make the H-Town Blue the team's primary uniform and team colors. It would send a message that this is a fresh start and a new era of exciting football under D'Amico and CJ, and it would turn the page uh, of the dysfunction of the past few years. What say you guys? He says, love you guys. You're the best Texans podcast out there. Thank you. John, what do you say about Neil and Liverpool's contention and they should completely revamp the Texan uniforms? Well, Neil, uh, we've seen markups and they're going to change them. They're going to unveil them at the draft. But the, the the renaissance has already began. They don't need a new start next season. The new start began this season. And I think they got to be true to their heritage. Bob McNair, the founder, loved the three colors. And they might want to put a light blue stripe in there somewhere. I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, I'm, I I picked, we all got to pick, you know, top secret of, of what we liked. And there was clearly one that I thought was better. And I told every Boston organization, if y'all don't go with this one, you're nuts. And they wouldn't tell me what anybody else thought. And they can change them still because they weren't etched in stone, but I can't yeah. wait to see them because fans make such a big deal over uniform changes. And uh, that that'll get fans even, can you imagine Sean, if they made the playoffs or missed on a tiebreaker, but had a winning record, how fired up people are going to be about Stroud and Ryan's in the second season and what should be a really good off season and a uniform change. Yeah. That'll be a lot of fun to talk and write about. No doubt. No doubt. I think that's kind of Neil's point. I know you've, you've made the point, John, the Renaissance has started already, but like the, I think the feeling of freshness going into next year, that this really is a new era. Um, and yeah, I, I've, I've been privy to some of the, the uniform stuff as, as well. Um, and I, my big takeaway, I don't think I'm giving anything away here. My big takeaway is they, this isn't something where they're just kicking the past to the curb and it's going to be this brand new thing and they're going to look totally different or whatever right. they are very respectful of what the original color scheme, the original logo, the logo's not going anywhere. Um, so it, it, anybody thinking that this new uniform is going to be something they're going to unveil it. You'll be like, Oh my God, this is brand new. Holy cow. 
Um, it's not. I, I, I mean, I think there's going to be subtle changes to it and subtle tweaks. I think people are going to like it ultimately when it comes down because people like new. People love the red helmets, John. They love – I love the red helmets. Everybody loves red helmets, and that ought to be their helmet every time they play. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so there you go, Neil. Um, next one, John. Edmund Hack says a, a new question here. The, uh, the weather was perfect this past week. Uh, cool, 68 to 70 degrees, clear skies in the day of, the, of, of last week's home game. However, the roof stayed closed. Have the Texans decided? I love these first two questions about uniforms and the roof. They're in the middle of a playoff push, people. Come on. Um, have the Texans decided to never open the roof again for a home game? No, they can't decide that. No, they, they, why would they decide that? Yeah, I think, well, you think that they would decide that because they think it's louder in there and gives them more of a home advantage. Uh, no, they can't say that. I think they've my standard thing is when they open a roof on a great day is they've seen rain within a thousand miles. Yeah. And the fact is there is a section of stands that has 12,000 people in it. When it people are there in which the sun shines on them and it is about 10 degrees warmer and one time they did that and i think every one of the twelve thousand people called a complaint the next day and blew out their switchboards and their computer so anytime it's if it's 70 degrees it's 80 on them if it's 60 it'd be perfect but fans like to see it but for whatever reason and i think it's because it's louder yeah. and gives them they think it gives them more in a home advantage like with the astros in 2005 roger clemens at his age loved to pitch when he was indoors mm -hmm. and there's no humidity no weather factor and baseball made them open the games in the world series and it got swept by the white Sox. yep um all right next one john this is from our guy joe q frequent emailer who by the way apologized for getting the trivia question wrong last week that he gave us remember where the, the two teams that haven't been to an afc title game and he said dolphins and he was embarrassed so he uh he that's all right out. joe we all screw things we up. appreciate you listening to the podcast joe he says the texans fan base has joyfully exited a three-year hitch in bad team jail it seems the causes most discussed for the recent catastrophe are Deshaun's venality and Jack Easterby. Might a case be made that the real root cause was a botched early tenure as owner by Cal McNair, perhaps due to Bob McNair's passing, that Cal maybe wasn't quite ready yet for the rigors and the decisions of, of, of being the owner. John, what say you about that? Well, I can tell you exactly what was going on. Bob McNair was ill way before he died. Cal McNair took over the team uh, after the 2017 season. They went 11 and five in 2018. They lost to uh, uh, Indianapolis and Andrew Luck. Then in 2019, they won the division again, and they and they beat Buffalo in the playoffs. And the problem was because of that, he gave Bill O'Brien total control, and Bill did a terrible job when he had total control. And I don't care how bad Jack Easterby was. He didn't affect personnel. He didn't have the final say. And O'Brien did. In the year he had it, the year before, he was named general manager. And he just made one bad deal after another. And Brian Gain let Bill make the final say when he was the general manager before Easterby got him run. But uh, those were the reasons. As Cal McNair put too much faith in Bill O'Brien as a personnel guy, and it took him – four games into the 2020 season to rectify that. And then it took him midway through last season to get rid of Easterby. Yeah. I, to the point, John, like I know you're pointing out, Oprah, it was Cal who determined that Bill would get that power. Though. Right. So I think to the That's point the biggest of mistake question, he made. Yeah. I think to Joe's question, like, yeah, you could make a case that the real root cause was 
that Cal botched some things early on. Now he, he now he's making good decisions. Like I, they, I John, I've said, I they said won. They were eleven and five and ten and six his first two years in charge. Absolutely, I, I, no, absolutely. I've said all along I, that, and and when it was really bad, people would roll their eyes when I'd say this, but I would say Cal McNair is the type of owner that you want as as a fan yeah, of the absolutely. team because he's gonna if he makes good hires then it's going to be an environment that's conducive to good hires going and succeeding. And I think Nick Casario is a good general manager. I think D'Amico Ryans is absolutely a good head coach. And in turn, those two guys have hired C.J. Stroud to be their quarterback, and that's been a good hire. So, you know, you know, Cal, he's fixed a lot of the things that he's, that, that he's screwed up. Now they've got to go win football games. But I, I just want my owner to give all the resources necessary to uh to the people that he hires and hire good people that's it that's all i want them to do stay out of the way and stay out of the way and i think if it's the hardest one to do is the hiring the good people hiring is one of the hardest things in any line of business to make sure you're getting the right people and i think he's got the right i think he's got the right group now he's going to give them all the money they need and all the resources they need he's never said no to anything that we've heard of before that they need behind the scenes in order to be successful and he's sure as hell going to stay out of the way. I think Cal's happy flipping his burgers at training camp and making sure that his good people can go do their thing, you know? We got to also give credit to Hannah McNair because yes. Cal's the first to admit she plays a huge role, not in personnel. They stay out of personnel, but everything else that goes on in the organization, they oversee it. They're there every day. They want to know what's going on. Casario runs big decisions by him. And like Cal, calls his mom every day and tells her what's going on. Janice McNair, who's the controlling owner. They do keep up with what's going on, but they don't say no. Yeah, they don't meddle. Um, all right, let's two more, John, in the mailbag. Then we'll do some quick fugazis here. Lexi in Deer Park, aside from draft night, what's been the thing that Nick Casario has done this year that has impressed you all the most? Work closely with D'Amico Ryans to get the kind of players D'Amico wants in free agency that fit his system, like Sheldon Rankins. I was told D'Amico just had to have Sheldon Rankins because he thought he would fit well at tackle next to Malik Collins. So Casario's not telling D'Amico, okay, I like this guy. You don't. I'm signing him. You find a way to play him. That's not the way it works because the head coach has it in his contract. He controls the game day roster. So if Nick gives him a player – he doesn't want, he doesn't have to play him. So yeah. they work really well together. And I think it showed in free agency more than anything they've done, including the draft, because the draft was easy to take Stroud. And even though it was, he gave up a lot to get Anderson, he found Arizona willing to do it. But signing those free agents to fit well, like Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary, Sheldon Rankins, they have done a really good job. I like the free agency, John. I would add to that. I kind of like how active Nick's been since the trade deadline and picking veterans up off the waiver wire. You know what I mean? Like I think Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett has played important snaps for this team and played well. Adrian Amos is a veteran safety, and he picked up Kareem Jackson. So they've got at least got a little veteran oomph in the backfield. I don't know if either of them are as good as Jimmy Ward when Jimmy Ward's healthy, but I certainly think they're on the level, if not better, than Eric Murray and MJ Stewart who are two guys who got knocked out for the Boy, season. They've had a lot well. of safeties go out. Man, they, they, they I have. forgot and, about those two. Right. And for, right. And for, to, to get a guy like Adrian Amos and Kareem Jackson at this juncture to, you know, to make those moves, I think is pretty savvy. Um, and I'm, I'm missing one. Oh, and then Tier you know, and DeAndre Houston Carson has been picked up and he's made some big plays. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I, I, I kind of like the in-season 
sort of tweaking that Nick has done in order to kind of, you know, keep this, you know, keep this train moving. Let's get to the postseason and see what happens. I'm with um, you. I, I think Nick's had a good year. Um, last one, John, our guy, Dave in Round Rock. So Case Keenum started and won the game against the Titans two weeks ago. Frankly, I think the defense won that game, but Case did okay. He did diddly squat against the Browns. Who's starting this Sunday if CJ is not? I'm perfectly fine if it's Mills. What say you? John, we expect it to be CJ, but as you and I pointed out earlier in this podcast, we've seen players have setbacks with the concussion protocol uh, as recently as Michael Pittman last week, who was cleared and then not cleared. If CJ doesn't start this game for some reason against the Titans, and I'm knocking on wood that that doesn't happen, who would you rather see start that game? Davis? I think Bobby Sloak had a tree hit him on the head last week, and he thought rotating the quarter – quarterbacks was a good idea fortunately he got away from that quickly and went with case and then pulled him and mills got garbage time flip of the coin it's a big game Mm -hmm. mills has played well against the titans beat him up there last year he didn't do a lot but they won and then he had a great game here the last game of his rookie year even though they lost by three in a game that titans needed to win to get home field advantage i would go with mills i would have gone with mills up there but they may like Case's experience and Case's big game experience, but boy, Case was not good against the Browns. No, but I would think honestly, well, they it's not like Mills is an unknown quantity to them, as you pointed out. He's played against them a handful of times before, but maybe in this offense, they've not seen him as much. So it's something that's, you know, it's some sort of diversion where they've had a whole game to go actually go against Case Keenum uh, a couple weeks ago. It's if this is what we're getting down to, it's suboptimal to begin with. So I don't have a strong feeling either way, but I'm with you. I would start Davis Mills. I just there was too much of the old Keenum that was out there against the Browns on Sunday, John, with him running straight backwards when the pocket would collapse oof, and oof. throwing the ball up for grabs. Like there was just way too much of that for me. I feel like at least Davis is gonna kind of you know keep things on time. Um, all right, so there's our mailbag. We appreciate it. HOU mailbag at gmail.com. HOU mailbag at gmail.com. All right, John, do we want to give the people the for real or fugazis? I got five of them in front of sure. me. You ready? All right, let's give them a few. For real or fugazi? We're giving you guys everything this week. Get the whole buffet because we weren't here for you on Tuesday. That's on me. I took vacation this week. Um, so for real or fugazi, the way it works, if you're new to the podcast, I read a sentence to John. John determines whether or not he agrees with it or if he doesn't agree with it or thinks I'm stupid or thinks what I just said is silly. Well, if he agrees with it, he says for real. If he thinks it's silly, then he says, Gazy. Ooh, Gazy. It's Italian for counterfeit or fake or Sean's a moron. All right. Um, so, John, I've got five of them here. Um, speaking of draft night, the biggest sports story in Houston this past year, in 2023, was the back-to-back drafting of C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson on draft night. For real? Jeez, that's okay, unquestionable. That's, was okay, there a number the, two? Well, the hiring of D'Amico Ryans is a pretty big oh, story. Oh, he's that on draft night. No, no, no. The biggest Houston sports story for 2023. Oh, Houston sports story. No, yeah. the hiring of D'Amico. The head coach is more important than players. Okay. If so he's got the bad head coach, so it is for real. And no, 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 uh, no, 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 no. Back up, back up, John. You got to listen. Oh, Fugazi, it was not. D'Amico was. Yeah, yeah. The draft, it was, so it wasn't draft night. It was D'Amico's no, hiring. D'Amico hiring. That's the most important position in any organization. Uh, I will say that draft night popped the crowd pretty good out at Miller. Sure did. Theater. Yeah. If they waited good. till draft night to hire D'Amico, I'm pretty sure it'd been a buzz there too. 
<laughs> Probably. <laughs> if they hired, if they we did, finally it, made a decision. Yeah, if we did like a LeBron the decision kind of thing out at Miller Outdoor Theater in January, and D'Amico had five hats in front of him with all the openings, and he reached for the Texans. <laughs> no, first he reaches for the Broncos hat, fakes it, and then grabs the Texans hat and put it on, and then we play Clay Walker until the cows come home. <laughs> all right, um, John. One more Texans one here, and then I've got a few others. Um, Jimmy Ward suffered his third injury of the season not even a concussion he missed two games of the hip early in the year he missed a few games of the hamstring in the middle of the year now his season is ending prematurely with a quad injury John for real or for Gazy, Jimmy Ward cannot be trusted to be a core member of the Texans in 2024 well that's absolutely true because he has injury he was injury prone with the 49ers but because yeah. he's such a great leader and he can play either safety and he can drop down and cover slot receivers, he's invaluable. D'Amico needed him to help him establish the culture, help teach the defense, but you got to worry about him getting hurt because he's a physical player and he's older. So next year you got to hold your breath every time he hits somebody. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's, um, I love Jimmy Ward. I think he's great. He's under contract next year, too, for those wondering. He was not a one-year deal. He was a two-year deal, Jimmy Ward. So he is under contract for next year. Um, all right, next one, John. Uh, I'm sure you saw the story on Jair Alexander of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Where he chose to walk out with the game captains of his team, the Green Bay Packers, against the Carolina Panthers, even though he was not selected to be a captain. But the game was in his hometown of Charlotte. He thought it would be cool if he could be one of the captains. So he anointed himself one and went out there and not only represented himself as a captain, he actually called the coin toss got it right, and when they asked him, what do you want to do, he said, we'll play defense. And the referees evidently looked at him and said, you mean defer, right? Because if he was being <laughs> truthful, that would have meant that the Panthers could have chosen to get the ball in the first half and in the second half of that game. Um, he got bailed out by the referees, it sounds like, from his description of the situation here to where the refs look at him and said, you mean defer. And he's like, yeah, whatever, defer, yeah, sure. Um, I can't believe it ever got to this. Jair Alexander has since been suspended for a game, uh, for a game by uh, for a conduct detrimental to the team. John, for real or Fugazi, in this Jair Alexander situation, the Panthers should be pissed that the referees gave him a second chance to admit he wanted to defer, not be on defense first. They should. That yeah. almost going way back to 1962, when the Dallas Texans, who are the Chiefs. And the Houston Oilers played in the championship game. Third year in a row, the Oilers ran it. And they asked, uh, I think it was Sid Blanks, their running back, what do you want to do? And overtime said, we'll kick. Instead of take the wind, which was bad, they said, we'll kick. But they won it double overtime. So it's very uh, – It I've never heard anything like that. And you think on the surface it's kind of cute, but he's out there in a playoff race in Green Bay. They're trying to win a wild card berth. If he should have asked the coach, can you name me a captain for today? Uh, we want teams to suspend players and not rely on the league to do it. So it's, it seems kind of harsh in a playoff race, but I'm glad they put their foot down because he could have cost them the game. I can't believe the referees gave like bailed him out and said, you mean I defer, don't. right? I cannot believe I guess that's he had this incredulous look on his face like, duh. Yeah, he obviously yeah. had not been instructed by the coach what do because he wasn't supposed to be out there. He still couldn't believe he still didn't understand the whole gist of the whole choosing to be on defense versus deferring to the second half thing. Even in the interviews he was doing after the game, he's a clown. It was it was, it was highly entertaining audio, but my God. 
Um, I don't think right, we'll John. be seeing him next year make any calls at uh, midfield. No, God, I hope not. I mean, unless they can't you – know, hey, oh, there he goes again, Coach. You're like a dog that runs away. Like, oh, Jair, get back here. Um, all right, two more, John. Um, Russell Wilson was benched this week as the Denver Broncos quarterback. Really? The I haven't are, heard that. Yeah, I don't know if you heard, but the Broncos are going to have major cap issues over the next couple of years. They could have been a whole lot worse if Russell Wilson had gotten hurt somewhere along the way. For real or for gazy, John, Russell Wilson's future in the NFL is is one of those one-year bridge quarterbacks to play ahead of a highly drafted rookie. I agree. That's for real because he's going to get cut. He's going to be designated as June 1st camp cap casualty. That teams can do that with two two guys, not wait till June 1st. That will divide up the hit, but it's still significant. He'll go somewhere and play for the minimum because the Broncos are going to be paying him millions and millions of dollars. And as it – I don't think any trade will ever be worse than Herschel Walker to Minnesota for what turned out to be, I think, eight players when Jimmy Johnson took players and could not disclose as part of the contract that if he cut them, he got number one picks. But he cut them, and he got number one picks. They went Mm -hmm. to three Super Bowls in four years. And we think the Watson deal is bad. This one for the the Broncos and the Seahawks is the second worst in NFL history. But Wilson will go somewhere. He hadn't played bad this year. He's handled it. In a first-class manner, somebody will bring him in and hope he mentors a younger quarterback. Where it's somebody like, say, Aiden O'Connell at Oakland right now, Russell Wilson will go as a starter next year, or another team that has a young guy they were trying to develop, or a rookie, yep. but he will get a job and he'll be really cheap. John, the one thing I would say about the Herschel Walker trade versus the Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson trades, because the Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson trades are very similar, obviously. Um, both got huge paydays. Deshaun got huge, huge payday the same day of the trade. The, the, the teams trading those players received a bunch of draft capital. The Seahawks actually got some players, too, in return in that deal. The deals were made within 48 hours of each other, which is crazy. Like, Russell Wilson got traded on March 16th. Deshaun Watson got traded on March 18th. And they are two of the worst trades in the history of the league. The, the one thing I would say – about the Herschel Walker trade to where it's not as bad is that to my knowledge, the Vikings didn't turn around and give Herschel Walker tens of millions of guaranteed money in a contract. You no, know, like they, they did not. The, the, the Browns and the Broncos have seriously hindered themselves over these next few years. The Broncos with no more Russell Wilson, but having to pay off $85 million in dead cap money. And the, I mean, the Browns cap situation, John with Deshaun on the roster is a mess the next three years they've only accounted for like less than they've accounted for less than like 15 million of the 230 million on the cap so far because they've shoved so much money into 2024 through 2026 with Deshaun so they either have to kind of really really get the draft right and find some cheap vets um, or they've got to buy into Deshaun and extend some of that money out into the future which means committing to him for even more years after that so I I I mean I it's not ideal for either team right now but boy, the only th- the only saving grace for the Browns, ironically, is that somehow they're in the mix to get to the Super Bowl this year. Like they could get to the Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. That's the only saving grace, and that's got nothing to do with Deshaun, other than the fact that Deshaun got injured to clear the way for them to go get Joe Flacco. It's crazy. And just remember, the last thing they saw of Deshaun Watson, fourteen of fourteen in the second half at Baltimore, where they've won, and they're not yeah. thinking about anything before that. Just that second half. Yeah. All right, last one, John. The college football playoff championship game is right over there at NRG Stadium. I'm looking out the window at it right now from our studios here. 
Um, I think everybody here locally is rooting for Texas versus Alabama. That would be a big ticket. But, John, they're all going to be disappointed. The college football playoff championship game is going to be the top two seeds, Michigan and Washington, for real or for Gazy. Gazy. It's going to be a rematch between Steve Sarkeesian and his his mentor, Nick Saban, and he's not beating Saban twice in one season. Mm, So you got Bama winning the national championship. John, that's actually what originally the for real or Fugazi was. was, I was going to say UT Alabama, but you'd only said Fugazi once during this thing. I know you like saying (laughs) Fugazi, so I flipped it to Michigan and Washington. I would hate to see Michigan win the national championship and Harbaugh hoist that trophy. I think it would be hysterical to see. I don't root for Michigan, but I root for drama. That would be drama. That would be drama to the nth degree. Yep. All right, Uh, John, what do you got going on on SportsRadio610.com? got a C.J. Stroud column, got an Andre Johnson story, and I got a column on uh, the AFC South race and where it stands and what's going on and how the Titans can play the spoilers role by beating the Texans and Jaguars. Love it. Love it. You can get all that at SportsRadio610.com. You can email the uh, the mailbag hou mailbag at gmail.com big thanks to james jackson our our producer for getting the podcast out to you guys in a timely fashion and you can click that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast to make sure you automatically get the utopia football podcast john i enjoyed it as always john thank you very much happy new year to everyone and we'll be back soon can't wait i'll see you out at texas countdown out to just outside the stadium at 11 15 sunday morning be there i'll be there got you All right, good deal. All right, for James and John, I'm Sean. We are out of time. Appreciate all of you tuning in. Happy New Year, preemptively, to all of you. Happy holidays as well. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Sunday.